Hi everyone, Darren here. Just a quick disclaimer before we get into the show that this episode was recorded before the Jose sacking news and right as the European Super League news broke. Some information on the Super League may now be slightly out of date given how much new information has become available over the past couple of days. With this in mind, there will be a special bonus episode of Under the Floodlights releasing on Friday the 23rd of April with updated information and opinions. Please enjoy this episode. Football is a game of aesthetics. It's all about what does it look like? Football is a game of tradition. The man who wins the penalty can't take it. <laughs> Football is a game of passion. Oh, bollocks, Villa have scored. And that is why we love it. <laughs> Fuck me, why is this stupid game back? I think that was a real low point for me in my life. It's time to turn the volume down. Goals scored by new signings are the only ones that count. Penalties don't count. And Mamoru Saku having an absolute howler. That doesn't count either. The worst 90 minutes of football in Premier League history. He's oh, a fraud. Sedan's a fraud. Everyone's favourite statistical fraud. Brendan Rodgers. All about the aesthetics, that's what Absolutely. I like to see. That is just a bit of stat padding. Individual sport masquerading as a team game. Look at his Instagram, he's the ultimate beat of me. BBC Sport decided to advertise their TikTok account. Yuck. Yuck. <laughs> it just doesn't get any better than that. Hello and welcome to Under the Floodlights. This week on the show we bid a fond farewell to Sheffield United as they become the first team to confirm their relegation and can now look forward to playing a million matches in the Championship next season. In these turbulent economic and political times, it's important that people come together and has anything ever united a community of people more than Newcastle doing the double over Christopher's beloved West Ham? Should we be concerned about the mental well-being of that 5.7% of City fans who were unhappy with their team's performance this season before the quest for the quadruple was ended by Chelsea. What is this new European Super League that's threatening the future of professional football? That's a genuine question, none of us know. And who do we think deserves to be inducted into the newly announced Premier League Hall of Fame? My name's Darren Scott, I'm Joe Bailey, Hutchison, Christopher Ringland. Guys, how are you? We're going to sort it all out. <laughs> As in West Ham or like oh, no, uh, the Super the, League? Uh, football. The three of us are. in general. Yeah. yeah. I, I, love, yeah. I love your optimism because I've already started by like going at random people on Twitter today. So that's, that's, <laughs> that, 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 that's great viewing. Yeah, well, the biggest topic that we need to talk about this week, the news that's come out about this European Super League. Um, details are still coming out as we speak. We're recording this on the Sunday night and this is the, the breaking news story on BBC. Um, and basically the news is that UEFA and the Premier League have strongly condemned 12 major European clubs, including all of the big six from England who have signed up. Sorry, big six in quotation marks, and we'll get into big that. Six. Big, <laughs> big six. And um, the yeah. traditional big six from England signing up to a breakaway European Super League. Um, so the news is that Arsenal, Chelsea, Liverpool, City, United, and Tottenham are part of the group with uh, La Liga's Atletico Madrid, Barcelona, and Real Madrid. And Syria as AC Milan, Inter Milan and Juventus um, are also involved in basically forming what, to my understanding, is uh, a league within between those teams only competed by those teams with no opportunity to get relegated, get promoted mm. to that league. It's completely their own little bubble. Yeah, it's like the NFL. Uh, yeah. Basically. And this has obviously been met with a huge amount of criticism, you know, on the Twitterverse, uh, by pundits on Sky Sports, by uh, basically anybody involved in football, with the exception of, of these teams, have, have really come out quite strongly and passionately against this move. Um, it's a genuine shake-up of football if it goes ahead. Uh, yes. So the reason this is also controversial as well is because they were going to sign off on a a new Champions League with 36 teams rather than 32 teams. Now, mm, yeah. Debate the merits or whatever of that another time. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that ridiculous um, 
you know, change the Champions League. But you know when Paris Saint-Germain have taken the moral high ground that something's wrong? <laughs> no. I, I, this is the thing. That, that, that part hasn't come out yet. There's no way PSG miss out on this. I'm telling <laughs> you now. As PSG yeah. says news broke today, they've gone, oh shit. And it, like someone in the office has missed an email. There's no way that lot are taking the moral high ground here. So it is. I, I have found this story absolutely hilarious today. From the moment it broke on Sky Sports, the, the whole, like, the morals around this thing. So I'll put it out there. I'm against it. But I'm also against people who are against it, namely Sky Sports <laughs> and Gary Neville and co. This is the thing about this. So we're now, so for years we have, like, the enemies of football we have seen as FIFA, UEFA, the Premier League. Yeah. We're now all of a sudden today doing like a 180 and going, oh no, they're the good guys. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, they're still not the good guys. I don't agree with this Super League, but for all of a sudden, for people to like be wanting to be going the Premier League are the good guys here. They're the ones with fans' interests. I'm not having it. So I'm not, I think like Neville today, some of the spiel he was given. He was talking about docking points. Moral, He's talking about docking Dark six points. points from each of these teams, known fine rightly that if Chelsea and Liverpool got deducted six points, that'll be tough. He knows fine rightly if Man United got deducted six points, they'd still be in the Champions League places. <laughs> He's got his agenda. <laughs> yeah, I don't think... Yeah, I think you're right. I think obviously people will romanticise the FA and FIFA and UEFA uh, given that there is now an opposition. You're right, they, they aren't the good guys. I think it's more a case of, you know, the devil you know is better than the devil you don't. Um, and and those three are, are in that boat. Listen, I'm with you. I, I'm against it. Um, that being said, if we were to take this from a purely business point of view, I, you know, I've always oh. been pro-capitalism. But if this happened <laughs> in business, governments or... Uh, independent bodies have the authority to step in. If you're looking at businesses trying to merge or acquire or whatever, there has to be an independent assessment of that merger. And if it is against the public interest, there are authorities in place who have the power to stop it and protect the public. And I think what's worrying about this situation is that there seems to be no independent regulator who can assess this, see what's fair and not fair. And that's a huge issue. Because sure, our good mate Gary wants an independent regulator. So Gary today is going on about this being a power grab. And he's said, oh, I've been wanting for a year now for an independent regulator. Who do you think he wants to be the independent regulator? Dunno. Himself. <laughs> so, <laughs> so he's going about a power grab, yet he wants to be the independent regulator. How can, how can <laughs> he be so- independent if he owns a football club? <laughs> well, Salford aren't going to be a conflict of interest anytime soon, are they? Well, they are in so the sense a... that the way the Premier League well, is structured, yes, that yes. they have this pyramid yeah. scheme where the money that comes mainly yeah. from the, the quote-unquote big six filters down through the lakes. Yeah, and this is my thing with it all. It's like, yes, this is so greedy, and in a way the game's gone. But the game has been built on greed, and the game's gone for years. Like, no matter who, no one... No one's hands are clean in football. Everyone's got something where they're looking after their own self-interest. Like Sky Sports today, everyone on there was gurning about this, saying it's not right. I can guarantee you Sky Sports will bid for the rights to show this. There's no way they don't. They're not missing out on the profit. Because I I put up before, I was telling you guys, put up before on the pod's Instagram, a vote on all of this, how do people feel and 
if people's teams were in this, would they still watch? And it's close, but more people than not are saying they would still watch their team mm-hmm. if they were in this. So there's no way Sky and BT are missing out on that money. Yeah. So at the end of the day, like football is just greedy, and the game is gone, and it's very difficult to change it. This is just an, another evolution of it all. Yeah, I, I think you're right, Billy, because the problem is that the, the, re- the, the people who are angry about this and the people who are who have to now do something against this are UEFA, who are the subsidiary of FIFA, who we will remind yeah. everyone were, um, uh, were raided by the FBI uh, and <laughs> Interpol or whoever it was um, and US authorities because basically Qatar hosts the World Cup in 2022 because they bribed um, the CONCACAF and other uh, confederation presidents who had votes, um, Michel Platini and um, your man, Sepp Blatter. Yes, they're all the most corrupt people on the planet. And then the new guy, <laughs> Infantino, uh, says, first thing he does, oh, let's expand the World Cup to 48 teams. Why? <laughs> why? I wonder why. Uh, let's expand the Champions League. And then your man, the Cheffern or whatever, oh, let's expand the Champions League to 36 teams. Let's create a Europa League B. You know, all this garbage. Yeah, yeah. So like, like obviously, we're all against like the idea of the Premier League being between Leicester and West Ham every season. But like you know, the only <laughs> it's the same principle on both sides. Like who's going to cut the greed? Who's going to you know? Yeah. Like what 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 it like? I, like I, I do think though, I really do think you know after COVID and after everything, like you see these people that own football clubs. I mean, take a day off. <laughs> you, you, you've, you've earned your you've earned your cash. You're owning your football team. You may be in exile in Tel Aviv, like Roman, but you know, get a grip. <laughs> well, I think that the oh. pandemic point is actually an interesting point because um, you get the impression, based on how people have reacted to this news, that if fans were in the stadiums for next week games, there would be banners up making their voices very clear that they are yeah. against this. And, and obviously, because of COVID, the stadiums are still going to be empty, so it's perhaps going to look like there's no protests, which I think. Um, it's sort of an interesting, the timing works quite well probably for these clubs as well because there's yeah. maybe less yeah. voice. Yeah. But I, one, like, one thing that interests me is I'm, I keep having to bring it back to the broadcasters and on like Scudamore today, uh, the chief of the Premier League, like the nonsense out of him. Some of the stuff he was saying was that he, he wanted like a, com- he wanted the league to remain competitive. Uh, you could have stopped that years ago, Phil. A Man City have walked away this year and have done for most of this decade. So you've already failed there. This guy is also the same guy that introduced 8pm time slots for games on a Friday and Sunday night. Yeah, because you have the best interest of fans there and not television. Well, global fans, he'll argue. The the reason for early games and late games is to hit different time zones. I, I'm, I'm not. Happy yeah, yeah, it, it, it's I'm perfect. Not, so some lad that. in Shanghai can watch it, but yeah. some guy who's having to travel from yeah. Newcastle to Southampton on a Friday night train that mm-hmm. he can't yeah, get. No, no. I mean, my problem as well is with I, I like I think FIFA are going about this completely the wrong way because they've said that any Shock. player who goes and participates in this will oh, not be eligible for international bit. football. That's a pro. Yeah. That encourages people to go and do this. <laughs> so like, that's a horrible tactic. Look, I, I think I think reasons like that are reasons why it might not happen. Um, but like basically, like like the whole way, like the whole reason this is broke is basically because someone has leaked this because basically it was it was going to get announced tomorrow, 
in the week that they were going to approve the Champions League changes on Friday. That, yeah, that's nonsense as well. So it, it, it is like there is something shady going on. You know, Emmanuel Macron's getting involved. He was praising French clubs <laughs> for not participating. They all have egg in his face in the French club in, in uh, the Uber Eats Lagoon. <laughs> uh, the culture secretary in the UK is getting involved. Um, you, you know when a, when government statements are, are coming out on a Sunday night that there's something wrong. Mm. Someone's well, getting an email there they don't want. Yeah, <laughs> it's funny for me as well because like obviously this is a serious matter and you know you can talk about the broadcasters and all these different things. But for me, I'm like, God, Arsenal are lucky to be involved. I, I, I was like, how say, have they gotten in? I, I was going to say like worse than Arsenal, Darren. I mean AC Milan. <laughs> AC Milan. Yeah. See, you see before this season. No, because I was just going to say, the logistics of football anyway, so to bring it in, these teams are actually going to have to play each other anyway. Not everyone can win. Not mm-hmm. everyone that's going to be in this is going to be number one and one of each year. Yeah. There has to be a Sheffield <laughs> in a league system. Yeah, correct. Like someone's going to get tanked every week. Do Because that's part of the joy. What like I said this earlier, whenever myself and my dad were watching a few of the games, I said, I enjoy watching when Chelsea go out, like the other week, Chelsea go out and put four past Palace. It's nice supporting a big club knowing that every other week you're going to play a lesser team and you're going to tank them. I don't want to watch Chelsea play Bayern Munich every week and like have it be that competitive and have the potential to get tanked. What, 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 here's the other issue, Billy, because what's going on in the players' WhatsApp groups right now? Like, what, what, is, <laughs> what, what's, what are the players' reactions? I mean, you know, like... Like what's Harry Kane thinking about this? Like what's Paul Pogba? Well, Harry Kane, Harry Kane's thinking I don't have to go to like Belarus to play another qualifier ever Mm. again. (laughs) (laughs) I think it's an interesting question about you. You said you don't want to watch Chelsea for whatever reason those are. I I try to think about it from a fan's perspective, and you know, would I watch Liverpool in this league? I mean, yeah, I'd probably watch it. Would I care as much? I mean, no, probably not. Probably like, so's gone. It's so's always gone. been, you know, I cared so much about the Premier League because of the history. And, and before last year, you know, it was 30 years since Liverpool had won it. It's this big sort of storyline that's been going on and on and on and on and on. You know, I get that they're calling it this European Super League and different things like that. It's just kind of new competitions just to me, come across as like Nations League again. I just don't care. It's like this is not a real competition. Yeah. I don't care what teams play in it. It just it's yeah, new and therefore it, it's kind of a nonsense. Yeah, part of it's like playing a team within the Premier League and say their managers maybe said something about your club before. There's those little mm-hmm. bits of rivalry or like because if this goes ahead, it's, there's not going to be like a a windy night in Stoke kind of thing. Yeah. Which we like it's the fun of that. That's been built up yeah. over I, I, the years. It's yeah. part of the appeal of the Premier League. Yeah. And, and the, the reason why the Champions League is so good and the format is like, it just can't be changed is because that two legged uh, knockout system is just like, it, it brings out the best games possible between these teams because they're one offs. So it, it just wouldn't work. And the teams have earned the right to play each other through yes. their domestic leagues and whatever. And there's an element probably of. Uh, of of them doing it for their league, and you know, there's often yeah. talk yeah. about like, you know, listen, Liverpool went out of the Champions League this week. You know, I'd, I'd still prefer to see Chelsea or City win it 
over one of the clubs that are outside the Premier League and that's just sort of a pride for, for our league sort of thing and I think that comes into question yeah. as well if you go and play them every it, it's like pre-season tournaments you don't care when Liverpool play Barcelona in July in some in <laughs> you know the middle of Mexico or something in a cash grab pre-season tournament like you don't care yeah. about that and I, I would worry that I wouldn't care about Liverpool playing Barcelona just because they're in the same league. It doesn't yeah. make any sense. Yeah. Like, like, I also they're, look forward to seeing in their briefing plans um, how many trees they're going to plant to offset the carbon emissions that this is going to uh, cause to the planet. Yeah. Well, well absolutely. I, I love the idea of like all the football hooligans from England getting like holidays every other weekend to these places. What One one group that I... like, I've not seen anyone talk about this group yet and their feelings. Referees. <laughs> who's refer if these games do go ahead who's refereeing it in the Premier League we slag these lads off every other week but whenever you watch some of the Champions League games there's some shocking ones out there from like Italy <laughs> like I don't want them <laughs> refing Chelsea games like that, I think that's a big part of it and likes of UEFA uh, coming out and saying whoever if a player plays in this competition they can't play in the Euros or whatever well that, the same go for referees <laughs> like if or does it bring out like that Plattenberg crowd who all went to Saudi Arabia to do the cash grab are they now looking at this yeah. going here's a great opportunity do they <laughs> yeah like, um, Mike Dean's supposed to retire at the end of the season does he hang about oh. no one this is round the corner mm, I mean these are all the questions that, that listen as I said this is kind of breaking news as we're talking about it there's obviously going to be more that comes out over the next sort of week or so um, and we'll just have to keep our eyes on it but um, it's going to be interesting if nothing else so, Sorry, yeah. So, yeah, yeah, just the, the yeah. heart and soul of footballs at stake. It is a little well, bit. You, yes. you, you say that this weekend we watched the Emirates FA Cup at Wembley Stadium. What? Which, wow. Whenever they, which whenever they show yeah. helicopter shots of it, there's a huge EE logo on the top of it you know the game been gone anyway just to clarify wow. when you say we all watch the Emirates FA Cup <laughs> I'm still waiting one of you two to tell me who's through to the final <laughs> <laughs> I know Chelsea are through I don't know what the result of the other game and we will get on to that uh, probably later on but we are of course going to move on to I mean uh, listen we were getting mess- we were getting DMs we were getting Snapchat messages we were Probably not far away from a few dances being sent in through TikTok because, Christopher, you have been very critical of Newcastle United. And I may or may not in the edit be inserting some clips now of things that you have previously said about Newcastle United. (laughs) They are absolute muck. And they're going down. And they are down. They're down right now. There's no way Newcastle United are staying up. Um... (laughs) Newcastle United beat West Ham by three goals to two this weekend, taking a huge step towards survival. That is now the league double over West Ham. And it did really bring the Under the Floodlights community together. Everyone was thrilled about this, probably with the exception of you. Um, look, I, I, do, do you know, I, I, look, I'm, as a West Ham fan, I am very used to every season this happening very regularly to the point where <laughs> it's almost expected which is why at this stage last season we were 17th etc so if people are going to laugh at West Ham for losing, for losing to Newcastle when we're still fourth with uh, seven games to go our next game Chelsea look everyone just everyone just settle down 
I say Newcastle were down because they were garbage without St. Maximan. They should be recalled Alan St. Maximan FC because that's all the reason that they're staying up and none other. So, uh, yes, and look, I'm not going to mention that we didn't have Rice, Antonio Cresswell, et cetera, et cetera, but that, you know, we didn't, and that's fine. Leicester haven't had a lot of players all season. Um, <laughs> Newcastle should be down, but they're not because Alan St. Maximan came back from injury. I, I like your approach, Chris. You, you're doing what I did. You're, you're not blaming anyone by blaming people. <laughs> I, like I'm not going to bring up that we have our star mm. players injured. <laughs> yes. Insert Leicester agenda here. That made it into there at some point. Yeah. You know, firing a bit of black, Brighton slander there, and you've got the bingo card. It was great. Look, look. Everyone can be bouncing off the walls. I suppose if you're a Newcastle fan, fantastic, brilliant. You're you're still in the Premier League. Fantastic, we're fourth. So <laughs> it was, it was, <laughs> you know, all biases and stuff aside, it was probably the best game in the Premier League this weekend. Um, obviously, it was a bit of a mismatch of different things going on this week. Um, West Ham's defending was a bit of a comedy show for the first two goals. Um, I mean, you're got Diop. I mean, that yeah. own goal, that yeah. that own goal is actually impressive. Um, it, yeah. Well, the own goal, I I want to work this out. Should that count as an own goal or a St. Maximum goal? Because the whole thing around scoring a goal. So if you're to score a goal, if you're if you hit the ball and it's going on target, yeah, but it nicks off a defender and still goes in, yeah. that's your goal. Yeah. This, like this is a weird one in that St. Maximum hits it in the direction of the net. The defender and goalkeeper get themselves mixed up, and Diop kicks it in his own net. I'm like, where mm. on the GPS goals panel? How do you argue that? Well, I think you because could argue because as a fantasy owner of St. Maximum, of I course, want <laughs> of course, <laughs> you know, I I think the argument falls flat on its face when Issa Diop takes about two or three touches. I think any time you've taken more than one touch. <laughs> then you have to accept a little bit of responsibility yourself for that ball ending up in the net. Uh, Diop controlled it with his left foot. I think it might have hit his left foot again before he backheeled it in with his right. So I think you do have to say, that's not some maximum. <laughs> I know, but I, I, I really want that. So, <laughs> so uh, yeah, I don't think that. Obviously, and as well, in, in the lead up to that goal, Craig Dawson received a second yellow card. Yes. He yeah. uh, took a horrible first touch, uh, sold the boat out, some would say, then decided <laughs> to compound that error by diving in and taking somebody out. Um, and the worst part about it was it didn't even stop the goal in the end. Um, no. <laughs> and, and then, as you talked about, Chris, there was a, a corner came in and Fabianski. Um, Gave a, a chance that was so easy, even Jalinton couldn't miss it. Um, <laughs> and that's not a good first half hour if you're any team. You look at a D up back heel no. own goal and Jalinton kicking one in from three yards. No, no. But I, I, look, I, look, I'm I'm impressed that we came back. Um, but it's fine. We're 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 not out of it. It's still in our hands. If uh, if we lose to Chelsea, I'll be I'll probably be sad. But yeah. uh, but still, how can we complain? I mean, we did want to talk about um, the, the, there was FA Cup this weekend, um, semi-finals. It was back. Uh, Chelsea played uh, Manchester City and ended their hopes of winning the quadruple by beating them by one goal to nil. Um, Leicester played Southampton in the other game and the final score was... <laughs> one nil to Leicester. One nil to Leicester. Congratulations to Leicester on making it through to the final. Um, Chelsea City, not a very good game. I think it's fair I, to say that. I, I'm coming straight yeah. out, straight in on this. Um, we're, we're, we're too many pundits, uh, and they need to take a day off. 
at the amount of pundits that said, oh, why did Pep Guardiola not play his uh, best team? Uh, mm. uh, um, you're not Pep Guardiola, right? <laughs> not winning the quadruple is not a measure of success. I, don't, I mean, to be fair. But what was the keeper doing? What, what on earth was that? I think that's called oh, no been, man's land. Yeah, he's been, he's been done by a, a great pass by Mason Mount there. Right, sure. It's the pre-assist that of course. that goal. Of the course. pre-assist. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, did you see Laporte's reaction to the goalkeeper? Um, uh, whenever the goal... I mean, Laporte throws the arms at him and everything like he's it just his whole body just he just can't believe what he's just seen why have you just done this to us no i, I i'm gonna bring up chris's point there again about the whole punditry nonsense of guardiola didn't play his best team this guy has about 40 players on his books they're all brilliant <laughs> i don't care if it's not his best team they're still class that team yesterday like would still comfortably finish first in the premier league <laughs> we're talking a back four that cost 200 million pounds mm. like, come, give me a break here now one thing like one player who is who should come to the end of his Premier League career and who didn't look good enough on Saturday night was Fernandinho this guy <laughs> is just like <laughs> Hang on, that's a, this that's guy a is a walking call. yellow card Whoa. Well, it's just it's he's just got the stage in his career he's that type of player and plays in midfield where, he's, where you are you're playing against dynamic players in the Premier League's the best of the best and the quickest of the quickest and he's now just reached that age where he gets done so often on the turn that he just has to foul people. Mm. So there's great player, like don't get me wrong, fantastic Premier League servant, and he deserves to be captain and everything. But he's just he's done. So he is. He does a good job at avoiding yellow cards as well. To his credit, like he usually gets about four or five fouls in before he, he gets he the gets yellow card. He gets away with it. Oh, unbelievable! Yeah, Mike Mike led him away with like I think three before I think at one stage he hugged Mason Mount to try and avoid it. Mike did. I don't know if you've seen the end of the first half. Uh, Mike had his big rock star moment where there was a, a minute of extra time given. Uh, City won a corner on like with like ten seconds to go. Mm-hmm. I think De Bruyne was going to take it, trudged over, took it short, and Mike immediately blew. On like 46, <laughs> 30. He was like, yeah, I'm not having... If, at least if you had to put it in, I would have let you play on I'm not having you take it short at this stage. Yeah. Look, I... I Like... Billy, I, I can't deal with Thomas Tuchel. Uh, like, that's, you can just that, tell... That's what I love. Like, you, could, you can just tell, like, that he... Like, he has a gravitas in that team already, you know? And it, like, I just... I can't stand it. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, and I love that. I love that Chelsea have a villain again. Like, it was the whole, this reminds me of, like, growing up as a kid with Mourinho, and the amount of people just despising him. Antonio Conte had it a bit. Like, the Chelsea manager should just be hated up and down the country. Yeah, nothing unites a team more than feeling like it's everyone against them. Yeah, yeah, you, yeah, know? you don't want to be liked. And that's the thing, like, everyone liked Frank. We, we, you know, we all liked Frank because he was English and he was, you know, from our well, league and he'd done all these great things, you know. We all liked Frank. We're again. I'm kind of with Chris. I don't like Tuchel. I have an unbelievable amount of respect for somebody who's come into the league halfway through the year and done as well as he has. I mean, Chelsea, not just in the Premier League. You know, we're now into the semi-finals of the Champions League. Uh, have a really good chance of winning that competition, um, and now are into the final of the FA Cup as well. I mean, huge amount of respect. But yeah, I'm with Chris. Don't like his face. 
Well, yeah, and well, well, I, I'm saying I, I back the guy and I enjoyed it. He's a villain. If he loses that final to Brendan Rogers, I'm too cut out. So um, I'm not having that. I can't, I can't have that after the chirp I've given this season. If this guy goes to Wembley in front of fans, because fans are returning for that game, oh, I can't yes. have his first game in front of fans losing to that. Have you heard the chat about where Lampard's apparently going to be going um, now? He's going to apparently replace Eddie Bethroyd as the England under-21s manager. I mean, I don't want to say that's beneath Frank, but that seems like it's beneath Frank. Yeah, going from getting a team into the top four to, like, part-time, like, it's basically the BB. Not long. Because, <laughs> like, you know, their best player, like, if you're a great English player at that age group, you're going to play for the senior team. I think, like, you're talking under-17s, 18s will play at that level. The under-21s is just a bit of a no-man's land of players who are good, but not hitting the senior team yet. It's like, so, I don't want Frank managing the Tom Davises of the world, you know? <laughs> and if this European Super League happens... You know the the crop of eligible international players will be reduced even further. I mean, who? What will the under twenty ones league be like then? <laughs> oh dear, I don't know. What, yeah, exactly. True. I, 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 it's not. It's not really related to anything, to be honest. But I, I just have to drop in, like for with no context. I am just dumbfounded by this guy Jude Bellingham, the seventeen year old playing for Dortmund. I know nothing uh, about him. I the the guy. Darren, I, I can't express how phenomenal he is at football, and he's seven. Yeah, he's very good. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I see I, his name pop up all the time in, in Champions League goals and different things yeah, like that. I, I just like, one of those because uh, I don't see him week in week out, and he was in the Championship I think before. Yeah, so he's just somebody that has just never kind of crossed uh, paths with me. I, like search no, for the England squad in the Euros. Search. Yeah, absolutely should be in that. And I think like I've only watched him twice in those two Champions League games. And both times I watched them, I was like, we were dumb for laughing at that moment whenever Birmingham City retired his shirt number. <laughs> I, was like, I, I watched those two games and was like, yeah, they were probably right to do that. Yeah, this, <laughs> this kid's a baller. Oh, like, he probably hasn't even stopped growing. The guy's 17. <laughs> good, good, for him. good for him. Good for him. Boss, Listen, he's got the world at his feet, clearly. World at his feet. Do you want to move on and talk about United and Burnley? Like what a what a random game of football this was. Like this b- badly timed game of football, given mm. the news that leaked at the time of this game. Uh, yeah, Man United it looked comfortable on scoreline. wasn't a comfortable game at all. Burnley done sort of like it was a classic Burnley performance. It was just very organised. One load of headers. United are just a better football team. Yeah. So Burnley but- now sort of looking over their shoulder again. Well, we all well, we always trust Sean Dyche to deliver. But I, th- I think my issue with this game is that you know the McNulty's in all of the world, you know the over overproduced puppetry, <laughs> of course, are now saying, "Can Man United do the unthinkable?" You know this kind of garbage that Man United yep. might win the league now. <laughs> I, I mean, like you know these pundits, like <laughs> you know, do they, do they do anything else in the world other than write about football? You know. Not to leap to their defence, but we've talked, the three of us, about how we're at a weird time of the year now where there's really very little to talk about because City have probably won the league. The guys at the bottom are pretty much sorted. There's that grey area in the middle. People still have, you know, 
articles to well, write and clicks l- to get and things like that. Listen, so, if, if you if someone wants to give us sixty grand a year each, I mean, I mean, we'll 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 talk about it. That's grand, yeah. Yeah, no bother. And like, as I said earlier, Scudamore would have loved this nonsense today <laughs> about Cam Man United win it because obviously he really wants a competitive league. <laughs> you talked uh, when talking about the Chelsea game, Bill. You talked about the pre-assist that Mason Mount got. Um, do you yeah. think Bruno Fernandez is going to try and claim some sort of assist because he let the ball run through his legs to to uh, Greenwood for their first goal? Yeah, ab- absolutely. It is. It's one of those things about stats in the game that he doesn't get any recognition for that goal. Like in twenty years' time, in black and white. He's no contribution to that goal, mm-hmm. but he absolutely makes it one hundred percent, and he he does it so. He was so cool about it. Yeah, we I've said before about whenever players celebrate, celebrate like you've scored a goal before. He just walked away after he let that run in Greenwood. Like he didn't he even did. like didn't look over his shoulder or anything. Unbelievable footballer. But part of me thinks is that because he knows that he's not going to get anything on. On the old scoreboard for that, like he's looked at that and gone, oh, you know, if I don't, you know, I'm, I'm annoyed. Mm. That I've, I've had to put the team first, and I've done this, and it was the right thing to do, but I'm unhappy about it. Yeah, this isn't going to help my case for PFA Player of the Year kind Correct. of thing, and there's going to be some 13 year old on Twitter. He's going to look at my assist per game ratio. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's going to take a hit here. Yeah, the only other thing from this game uh, that I noted was um, was Dean Henderson wearing a bright red cap in the second half to um, shade the sun from his eyes. He was wearing a black yeah. kit. He sort of looked like somebody who was working in a fast food restaurant to me. <laughs> I I oh, no, no I I haven't um, played goalkeeper in a, a professional setting or even an. an a substantial amateur setting, but I... Have you, you played know, outfield at a professional setting? Because <laughs> <laughs> um, remember, you know goalkeepers like Chris Kirkland back in the day used to be like a regular cap wearer because of the sun. I don't know whether it's because stadiums have got bigger or not, but like, surely, surely it doesn't help like that much. Surely there's an element that you're, you're blocked with vision with, with a cap. I think that's a great point. Because you know, yeah, yeah it, it prevents like, your well, field yeah. of vision above a certain level. Yeah, I, I don't yeah. really get how it's that helpful. Yeah, yeah. there's a market there certainly for the, yeah. the the Burnley goal, like where the ball is, it's corner. The ball comes in quite high. Tarkovsky just makes it full out of Maguire. Like in that <laughs> situation, sure. yeah, he does. He does have to look up a bit higher, probably. And it, it, if you're a cap wearer, make sure you've worn it before. I didn't like the creases on this that looked like it had to be. <laughs> Sitting around in the changing room, yes, and so folded up funny in the box. Yeah, d- yeah, didn't like the shape of it at all. It really did give me the vibes of he sat in there and someone's gone. Dean, it's quite sunny out there, isn't it? Yeah, do you fancy a cap? And they've just pulled it out of like a corner somewhere, a locker that's not been used in years. Hmm. What well, wasn't a fan of it at all? Yeah, and speaking of inconspicuous gear that players are changing and wearing during football matches, it was completely brushed over by everyone because of how good the game was. But absolutely outrageous that Federico Fernandez, the Newcastle defender, added on all of the extra time in the first half for changing the like soles in his boots and changing his boots when there was nothing wrong <laughs> with his soles or his boots. And here's my issue. Obviously, somebody does that for him because the guy spent about ten minutes trying to like, <laughs> shove the soles in, and I and and then he was tying his laces. I, I, the prima donnas of the modern game, Christopher. I know. Yeah, I know. Well, ch- chatting about uh, people 
uh, organizing other people's clothes. You didn't hear Martin Tyler having to catch himself on this afternoon. Oh no! What did he say? Sean Deitch was wearing a a lovely white shirt, and he goes, "Oh, there must be some great ironing done by Mrs. Deitch." Oh, and then Ah! within (laughs) within within ten seconds, he goes. Or Sean's the type of man that would do it himself, you know. It's, it's the modern day in this day and age. <laughs> yeah, somebody, somebody in Tyler's ear, I think, is Somebody's... Martin. No, stop. Abort. 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 <laughs> yeah, yeah. Men, men can cook and clean. Martin, it's okay. It's okay. Uh... <laughs> Welcome to the modern world. <laughs> so brilliant. Brilliant. That's brilliant. so bad. Um, do we want to touch very quickly on obviously a very sad day? Uh, Sheffield United confirmed uh, to be relegated. Um, back down to the championship they lost 1-0 to Wolves in a completely meaningless and boring game um, <laughs> I mean Chris you've been a big fan of Sheffield we all knew this yeah. day was coming yeah I, I'm going to defend them because they have without relegation they have equaled the earliest relegation in Premier League history which is joint with Derby in 2008 and Huddersfield Shocking in 2019 mm. you know I, the, look there'll be the, like I still think it's ridiculous that they sacked Wilder, but yeah, like if they keep the same group and you know get a, I don't know who they'll appoint. But I think yeah, what it does show in Norwich is that if you can keep that group together, you can bounce bounce back and come straight back oh, up. I, I think that the fear when any team gets relegated is, you know, are the emails going to come flooding in this summer for any players of any sort of value at Sheffield United, i.e., the Sander Burgess of the world, um, you know, because that, that tends I, yeah, to there's no way he's staying, yeah. yeah. And in particular, yeah. <laughs> but it'll be interesting to see if they can come straight back up. The, the championship is such a grind as well. Like you play so many matches. It's a brutal league. Yeah. Oh, no, I play it's, it's all, like. And it shows as well. Like it, it highlights how incredibly difficult the Premier League is. That Sheffield United came up, performed so well in their first season, and then obviously a few injuries this year, and they're going right back down to the championship. I mean, it's yeah. really fine margins across yeah. across the Premier League. I, I, as well. And a lot of people have said that, like. They lost most of their matches one nil, you know, and the, like they were mm-hmm. always in it. But I mean, they just they just didn't score goals. Like that was the issue. So yeah, mm-hmm. and it's looking like Brighton. probably West Brom and Fulham now that Newcastle have pulled away. Fulham obviously conceded a I think a ninety seventh minute equaliser um, in the in the Arsenal game today. A great pre assist by the Arsenal goalkeeper. I don't know if you guys caught that for, for Arsenal's um, equaliser. Another pre assist. Um, but that leaves Fulham in a pretty tough spot now as well. Look, look, Brighton are joint seventeenth. So you know, like <laughs> Big Sam, we're not like. Sorry, am I, we... am I broken? I, I did just say Fulham, didn't I? <laughs> Fulham and West look, Brom. <laughs> what I'm saying is, Big Sam, let's see what happens. That's that's all I'm saying. No, okay. I, I I desperately <laughs> hope that lock goes down. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, um, Billy, have you gotten in the mud for us this week? <laughs> do, do indeed. Uh, this week it's an interesting one. It's colours. Obviously quite an important thing. Uh, and we're just going to start off with Manchester United first and the trouble they've been having with colours recently. Uh, I don't, don't know if you've seen today, they've changed the colours of the banners covering the seats at Old Trafford from red to black in an effort to win more home games. Uh, this comes almost 25 years after Alex Ferguson ordered his players to change their grey shirts at halftime in that game against Southampton because they were struggling to pick each other out. Uh, current boss Ole Gunnar Solskjaer said a similar issue may be the reason for his side's problems at home. 
So uh, United, whenever I've seen all these stats, this was before the Granada game. United had won uh, 14 and lost 6 of their 24 home games in all competitions, uh, which is in contrast to the figures away from Old Trafford, where it's 17 wins and 3 defeats from 26. Solskjaer admitted that there should be no reason for this discrepancy, but in efforts to find a solution, he said the previous seat coverings were not helping. He was quoted as saying, we've looked into this. There shouldn't be a reason, really, but some of the players have mentioned that, that split-second decision decision you have to make where you look over your shoulder to see if your teammate is there or not, and the red shirt on a red background with red seats. You'll see a change now. If you see the banners around the club, it's not red anymore. Uh, the first game after this was changed, uh, United beat Granada 2-0 in the Europa League. Interestingly, Granada were wearing all black as their kit. So I noticed that. that be, can like we just do that in future now? Can we like change the seat coverings every week depending on the opposition you're playing? And just yeah, decide, yeah. oh, they they wear white. Let's get the white backgrounds up. You know? Do you need to get you know some academics in looking at you know color theory uh, and the different emotions that are garnered by different colors as well? You know, does that change how your players play? Oh yeah, the whole like blues calming, yes. reds more angry. Well, what my, my thing with it is, I, I kind of get it, the whole, if you're playing on a red background, red shirt blends into it. My thing is, though, whenever fans come back, there's going to be a human being in that seat wearing <laughs> say, the same it. shirt. I was just, just, that was literally what I was just about to say. How is it any different? You know, so surely that's more <laughs> difficult. Oh, past the Jimmy in the crowd. Oh, sorry. Sorry, Pogba. Sorry. You would think so. Yeah, you would think that would be a problem. But to be fair, the big Granada 2-0. Well, beat Burnley 3-1 today so well, it's yeah. um, I, I'm, I'm big into my like superstitions and dumb things yeah like I'm not going to gurn too much I just find it quite funny and I think clubs should weaponize it absolutely and and I think again going back to the whole capitalist thing if there's an opportunity to uh, you know be a disruptive innovator and come up with a seat covering that you can change the colour of on the fly to tune into those different sort of colour theory perceptions I think there's a market for that there you know if you're 1-0 up stick blue on calm everybody down if you need a goal maybe stick it into red fire everyone up definitely there's a, there's a job at Man United yet for you Darren thanks uh, and, and sticking on the, the theme of colours this week uh, Tottenham Hotspur uh, this week, the, the London club announced Dulux as their new official mm. paint partner. And of course, the internet abuse had to occur. Uh, the easy jokes are from people saying this is fitting because watching Spurs is like watching paint dry, etc., etc., <laughs> uh, came. But strangely, some, most of the abuse came from Dulux themselves. Uh, so one guy, whenever this was announced, uh, tweeted David Edwards saying, we can store those tins of paint in the trophy room for now as we don't seem to put anything else in there. To which the official Dulux account uh, replied saying, you know this, David, with a photo of an empty trophy cabinet saying for sale on a telephone number with a Spurs badge on it. (laughs) (laughs) And another guy whose name I can't pronounce uh, tweeted, paint the dusty trophy cabinet, winky face. Uh, The Dulux official account uh, responded saying, don't be silly, surfaces should be dust free before painting. And Chris, this, this guy, Chris H. Football, Me? his username. No. <laughs> no. Not you. Uh, <laughs> responded saying, can the dog play centre back? To which the Dulux official account responded, he might do a better job. Oh, come uh, on. 
Ah. Oh. So this this all kicked off, and the, the tweets were quickly deleted, and Gilux responded saying, we're deeply sorry for the post from Gilux no, this morning in response to the announcement of our relationship with Spurs. These do not reflect how proud we are to be the official paint supplier of the club. <laughs> we're investigating what happened and apologise to all Spurs fans. Other this news then reached Jose Mourinho in his pre-match oh. press conference, mm-hmm. uh, to which uh, Jose said, what is Gilux? It's <laughs> <laughs> uh, great stuff, all around. Uh, yeah, yeah, that I, might be I, the the most short lived football partnership ever. Yeah, I, I have <laughs> I have several uh, points here. Uh, first of all, what is an official paint partner? What does that mean? Yeah, what are the players getting out of this? It's like whenever United got their deal with deal with Chevrolet, they all got their fancy Corvettes and stuff. Is Son Hyun Min getting like a lot of grey paint? A load of magnolia to, to do the front room. I'd like, like to hope. I'd like to hope so. I'd like to think if you have an official paint sponsor and you do want to do a bit of DIY while you're at home, I'd like to think that this partnership would allow you to avail of some some free tins of paint. Yeah, I, I, I <laughs> look. I I am not about the, the the free promo that they get from the oh look at these um, tweets that we made and then we deleted and we said they're not our values at all. I, I'm I'm not about that at all. Guerrilla marketing. It it it's it's uh, it's. I'll never buy Gilux again. I'll, I'll put it that way. <laughs> I would say to you, good luck whenever you get a house. <laughs> like, like Johnson's. I I, I lo- I, yeah, I love the idea of like Spurs and or uh, Chris and Arsenal fans going into like a B and Q and boycotting Gilux now. <laughs> you know, I'll not be having that. <laughs> Great stuff. Well, listen, uh, I think that pretty much brings us to the end of today. Um, a bit going on in this episode, obviously, ranging European Super League. Obviously, we'll we'll have more on that as it develops in the coming weeks, and uh, and obviously, we bit of fond farewell to Sheffield United. Um, thanks for coming. You fill up my senses. <laughs> <laughs> da, 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 da. I don't know what the second line is. They they sing that when they come out, Darren. If you say so. Um, <laughs> We're going to end it there because I am genuinely a little shell shocked. Um, <laughs> so we are, uh, boys. Any final words for the two of you? Bring on the FA Cup. Uh, uh, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> don't worry, Chris. I'll insert some other clip about. I'm not as quick witted as that. Yeah, something you said about Newcastle again will just be filled in here from a previous episode. <laughs> they are absolute muck. And they're going down. And they are down. They're down right now. There's no way Newcastle United are staying up. Uh, Thank you very much to the both of you for being here. And we will see you all next week.